a story takes place. It's called Strawberry Fields for Never. Um, and it's it's about how people bite into the strawberries and blood comes out instead like of strawberry it. juice. Justin, and then, I'm not going to lie. I have known you for 35 years and I can't tell if that's a real idea you have or not. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... Welcome to another episode of the Scary Movie Project, the podcast where we talk about scary movies. Um, you know her. You love her. You cannot effing live without her. Tara Garwood is back on the show. <laughs> Tara Garwood is back on the show today. Um, super thrilled about that. She uh, She's not co-hosting per se, but she's on along with my other good friend Justin Timpane today as well. Because we are talking about their short film they have made called The Strangle of Ivy, Secrets Only Grow, and a twisted tale, claustrophobic tale of a uh, woman who comes back to her mother's home and finds out that things are not quite right. Um, some secrets are going on, some family things, um, and uh, Ivy is involved in a scene with mother and daughter at the end that you got to watch to believe because normally we spoil things on here. We're not spoiling this whole thing for you guys today, though, because we want you all to watch this at some point. So anyway, Tara, Justin, I'm so happy you guys are here. Um, I want to talk about this film and I want to get pick your brains basically throughout this whole episode. So, yeah, um, this is adapted from a short story by Sarah, your friend, Sarah Crocle Smith, who is a mm -hmm. hopeful horror writer, gothic writer. Is yep. that the right term? I want to be gothic sure for our author, but her. Her um her main vibe is hopeful horror. Hopeful horror. And yes. um the Strangle of Ivy is actually part of a series of um botanical horror stories mm. that she's working on. I have read about this botanical horror from somewhere else and I was talking to her about this. It's so interesting, right? Yes, it's yeah. a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. 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 It's so wild. So all right. Um I was lucky enough to be on the set when this movie for a little bit of a day when it was made. I was thrilled to be there. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. It was wonderful. Um, I got to work with you years ago on the lake as well. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll do a better job of explaining this film than I will. So if you want to give a synopsis on it, please do. But I have numerous questions for you to follow. So. Okay, but first, <laughs> yes. in all of our time co-hosting the Scary Movie Project together, yes. Yes. did we ever tell people that we met because we went to film school together? I am sure this has come up before. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. That's, that's new for me. I didn't know that that was I don't know. Yeah, so, so that that's, he, he um, Matt worked on the lake for me because that was my final project yes. when we were at Boston University Center for Digital Imaging Arts that, doing our digital filmmaking certificates June together. June of 2011, was that when we did that? I want to say we actually filmed it in 2010 and I finished okay. it in like 2011. It was, um, a, it was a minute ago, as they say. Yeah. It was right before <laughs> there was a huge earthquake in, in we filmed Louisa, it at Lake Louisa Anna County. In Virginia. Yes, that's right. We that was filmed the epicenter. It at Lake Anna, Virginia, and the next weekend there was a huge, oh, huge earthquake. Man. And we were like, oh my God, thank God we already finished filming. <laughs> yes, because I remember <laughs> I just we had there this weekend. I just had my knee surgery. I was all jacked up. Yes, I remember this, but so it mm -hmm. wasn't. It was a few months before. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, wow. that's there. You go. Little little uh, trivia for you guys that uh, we I don't think ever actually shared on the I, show. We before. may not have. So there you go. All these years later, here you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, okay. So yeah, you wanted the synopsis. You basically yes, hit the mark. Please. Um, um, Samantha is a a grown woman. You know, living in the world, taking care of her, taking care of her shit. She's a grown and, ass woman. Um, she's a grown ass woman. <laughs> 
And she goes home um, to her to her childhood home to see her mother. Um, and her mother's behaving oddly and, and the house is kind of like not being taken care of and things are a little weird. And um, she, just weird things start to happen and she starts to realize that there is something beneath the surface going on. Um, and so they have to deal with the effect of this this dark secret um on their relationship and their lives yeah okay Ooh, i like that it's much deeper um <laughs> would justin's take on that be accurate the same is there anything you want to add to that i, mean, no, I just add, i think that it's important that we have more horror about plants um, more really, mechanical it's, horror it's just it's just little shop of horrors and this and that's really a musical yeah um, yeah. So I no, I, I think that. Um... <laughs> so really, let me let me jump in for a second because my goal as a filmmaker is to tell women's stories through the lens of horror. But Justin, right. he's really all plants. about the plants' the point plants. of view. That's right. Yes. Yes. And, please, and, and, someone know, really need to understand. Please, them someone better. think of the plants. I have I, well, I, my next my next film. As it turns out, is going to be a uh, it's an it's an English uh, like sort of like the Conjuring farm horror uh, story takes place. It's called Strawberry Fields for Never, um, and it's it's about how people bite into the strawberries and blood comes out instead like of strawberry it. juice. Justin, and then, I'm not going to lie. I have known you for 35 years, and I can't tell if that's a real idea you have or not. <laughs> it's it is it is not it's, it is now oh man <laughs> it is yes, now it, it is now <laughs> Co copyright 2023 yeah. and light entertainment um, it, it is an it is an idea now strawberry fields for never oh my god no uh um scored scored by oasis because the beatles are too old i will score it <laughs> um yeah, uh, they can write like, the end song or something. Yeah, they, song yeah. for you. Yes. <laughs> um, or we'll just get Ringo Starr to do it. Just Ringo. Okay, I like uh, Ringo. Hello, I'm wondering if we're gonna have some more blood. <laughs> um, you get Jimmy Fallon to do Ringo's accent, and then that's, that's amazing. Um, except he'll like go between Ringo and Wacko Warner. Um, I think that what makes this film really cool. Um, and we talked about it on set is that I, I had never met Sarah before meeting her through Tara. And here's this story has absolutely nothing to do with me. And I read it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, there are two family members that I have and this is them. And so I think there's a, <laughs> I think there's a universality um, between the bitterness that can grow up between two female family members that, um, that I think is an unfortunate byproduct, byproduct of our society um, where, where maybe people aren't encouraged to talk mm -hmm. as much as they should. Um, mm -hmm. and so I can just go time and time and time again, sisters or, or mothers and daughters, um, just sort of the, the, the polite, we're just being nice to each other, but really underneath we're all, we're kind of not okay. Um, the fact that I, that the story from this person I had never met who had never met my family wrote a story that so resonated with things that I've seen, um, I think speaks to what's important about it before we get to the scary horror stuff, which is really what right. sold me. I think that that is that it, I think it's pretty darn cool that, that Sarah can write something that's, that is from her, her life story. And then here I am who she's never met. And it's also from mine. And it's probably from a lot of people's. Yeah. So, so I think that, yeah. 
Sorry, I was saying I'm going to actually jump off of that because you hit on something that is one of the reasons I actually really wanted to make this story. And I'm probably stealing one of your questions, Matt, so I'm sorry about that. That's but okay. That's okay. One of the reasons I wanted to turn this particular story of Sarah's into a short film is that it deals with a couple things that I am intensely interested in. One is the relationship between sisters, um, that tightness, that bond, um, that, that, that sense of wanting to protect, um, especially an older sister wanting to protect her younger sister, you know, that kind of thing. But also like, there's a, I don't know, you're like closer to your siblings, I feel like often than your parents, because okay. you're, yeah. you're so much closer in age, yeah, but yeah. also like, if you think about it, like genetically, you are closer in makeup than you are to either of your parents. That's a good right. Point. So, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but there you go. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a very strong bond between siblings and I like to explore that, but also what Justin really touched on that, that really excited me about this film is something that I deal with in my earlier film, um, the lake, which is family secrets and mm -hmm. how they can destroy um, an entire family when you are not honest and open about things. And when you, when you um, remain closed off, I, I grew up in a family that had very um, New Englander sort of uh, morals and Pur uh, puritanical. And, well, but more, um, there's a very New England thing where you, you just don't talk about it. I'm aware of this. Yes. You just, you do not talk about it. This is not yes. appropriate conversation for the dinner table. You know, you just, everything gets buried. Everything gets, gets, um, stuffed down. Nobody really talks about their real feelings. They're, they're very, yep. um, it's very, right. and, and not all new Englanders hashtag, not all new Englanders, no, but, but that's the in thing, my I know. family, this is very much how I grew up that you, you didn't really openly talk about things that upset you, things that hurt you, um, and, and difficulties that you were having. It was very much, you put on a good face and everybody of course was striving for like that next step up in the social ladder. So you want to like, mm. you want to emulate those people on a higher social status than you. And they are all like very straight laced and proper and nothing is ever wrong in their lives. And so you want to do the same thing. For those so of I, you listening, for those of you listening and not watching, Tara just did a little dance. She did. She it put was two like fists a, up yeah, in front of her face. Yeah, what kind of dance was that? She was I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, hoity, hoity. I was trying to think and of I what wish that was. God, I wish you could see it. I wish you could see it. It's wonderful. Please go to the Scary Movie Project YouTube but, page and you will. <laughs> you will see it. But so basically, uh, to make a short story long, um, that is what <laughs> that is what interested me is yeah. is that feeling of how it, it can really harm familial relationships and just people yeah. like yeah. as they're as they're as they're growing and as they're and as they're developing to have these secrets around all the time um which the the lake i think deals much more with the children as they're developing and they're growing with these secrets um right and how that makes them turn out as adults um, whereas the, um, the strangle of Ivy more deals with the like discovery of the secret as an adult. Wow. Okay. So yes, that was my question. That was kind of, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that was what I was going to ask. Yeah. They're your two deal with these sibling things. Yeah. Where does that come from? What's this Janet? So that is, 
a very wonderfully <laughs> thorough answer. I, I am, so I'm, thorough. I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> so tell me about, you have known Sarah for quite some time. You've read her mm-hmm. stuff. We all, she, she writes great stuff. Um, we'll give a plug here. Of course, remind me at the end of the show to give a plug for her for where we can find her stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But what was your, wh- why, why this? Why, why, why this particular story as opposed to anything else she may have written that you may want to use other stuff for, right? Yeah. A lot of it was the 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 family secret vibe that I didn't realize it at first. Someone mentioned it to me later. They were like, you know, that's a lot like your film, The Lake. And I was like, oh, crap, it really – it might have been Justin <laughs> who said that. I'm not sure, but somebody was – yeah, it was you. Subconscious was thing like, you don't yeah, think about. Yeah, that's a lot like your film, The Lake. And I was like, oh, man, it totally does fun, it though. with all the same yeah. issues. It's not the same story. It's not the same story at all. Martin Scorsese made lots of mob movies, and they're all pretty amazing. So it's okay. I I was going to say I I watched. um, You know, you know, peek behind the curtain. We're recording this a little bit before you guys are hearing it. I watched Oppenheimer last night. Um, I'm not going to spoil it at all, except to say that there are things that it has in common with Dunkirk and with Inception and with Memento. Mm -hmm. Um, There are things that Christopher Nolan does. Um, over and over and over again, and they don't get mm-hmm. old because they and are part of what right. makes up his psyche, and that's Wait, all you're right. That's into. exactly right. right. Yep, it's just like I said, like Scorsese with his, they're all mob, and they're you know these these Catholic guilt things, and I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what these stuff. Yeah, that that's there's nothing yeah. wrong. That actually is a good thing. That should be if that's yeah. what you want your forte to be. That's it, right? Yes, that's it's, good. It's your point of view, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's and it's like Justin said, your psyche. It's like what is built into you innately. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that was part of it. Another thing that I that drew me to it and that I think draws me to a lot of Sarah's um, stories in general, just to read, um, because I am a very visual person. Obviously, I wouldn't be making films if I wasn't. Right. Um, but she writes in a very, very evocative, uh, visually evocative way mm-hmm. where you can really sort of get a feel for what things look like this when on the page, like when she writes a story, like b- beyond a screenplay, we wrote the screenplay together. And, you know, and obviously when you're writing a screenplay, you're writing what you see on the screen as well as what you hear. Like you're not just writing dialogue, you're writing all that stuff, like everything that happens and what the setting kind of looks like and feels like and all that yeah. stuff. But just in her, in her novels and her short stories, in her prose, she still evokes that a lot. I, I said, I keep saying evoke, but then evocative. <laughs> but she really does like give you a sense of what things look like and what things feel like. And she has another story that she just um, a longer a longer novel that she just um, put out called Willow, uh, the Haunting of Willow Creek, that where she actually deals with um, these five artists get a grant to come and study at this like gorgeous mansion in the South, like in this remote area, but they're each from a different discipline. Um, And it deals with the idea of what happens when you lose the sense that you use to make your art. So she's, she's been playing in this with not only visual, making you get the visuals, but making you get the like, What's it like when you when you suddenly stop hearing or when you lose your voice or when you can't feel things properly? Like she's very good at pulling those things out mm. um, and and making you get it without just being like uh, she couldn't see anything, you know, 
Right. So, yeah, that's, I think, one of the things that really drew me to her stuff. Wow. Okay. Um, that's, that's very, um, that's great. And that's, that, that, that's good for her, you know, um, to know that, that you were able to get so much of that. Cause I think I've, I've told you on this show before, when you read a book, you know, before you watch a movie, you have the characters, they're, they're built mm-hmm. in your head, you know them. And then you watch the movie and you're like, no, 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 that's not the person that, that, that that's not right. Right. Yeah. Um, what about, tell me, I've never done anything like this. So how is it taking that story and then making it that screenplay? How, how, how is that process? Was that hard? Was it fun? Was it, you know, how did that go? Um, all of the above. Yeah. yeah. Right. It yes. Was, it was kind of everything. <laughs> um, so uh, the way we did it first, I took a first crack at it from Sarah's book, which literally was just like a translation actually, to tack on that real into, quick. Mm-hmm. How did she feel? When full blessing here, I mean, you can always say what yeah, you yeah, need no, to, but, no, no. but she totally on board with it, right? Yeah, so she was she was totally on board with with making the film, okay, um, and she was totally on board with me taking a first stab at it because she's never written a screenplay before. You know, I've never adapted a book, and she's never yeah. written a screenplay. Yeah. Um, so she was fully on board. I took the first stab, and it was a very like true to the true to the short story just like this is what happens and what is said and like very close to it mm-hmm. um and then we started talking about okay what works for the film and what doesn't um mm-hmm. and and Justin had some good advice on these things too um I know he does so so he had some input that was helpful about like what's working <laughs> um what can we maybe like tweak a bit um and so Sarah and I just kind of went back and forth and there were because we are already friends, um, I don't know if that made it easier or harder. Maybe some of both. Yeah. But there were there were times when I would get really nervous about making a change. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Because <laughs> I didn't want her to like hate yep. it and be upset, yep. and then she would get really nervous about like reviewing a change if she didn't agree with it so like yeah. we would kind of get a little nervous and fire on each other <laughs> but we we kind of made a deal that like we were just going to be open with each other and honest and try not to take things personally and just be like this is what i like it's this business. is what's not working for me and actually um there's a specific theme not like a an element of the film is the locket which is now on the cover of the dvd and and we have some posters of it and stuff and the locket was not in the original short story mm-hmm. at all. Um, but I had made a recommend a, a change to the script that I was recommending that Sarah, that Sarah hated oh, wow. <laughs> and was like, this is not right at all okay. because of that change that I made. She had the idea of what if there's this locket um, that is, there's like a little, um, a little like the half heart locket, the, not yeah, lockets, yeah. but the half heart pendants um, are like a, a a thing. In the, they're a thing in the film, and so what were they, Sarah? A thing. thing. <laughs> but that that idea came out of an idea that I had that she did not agree with, but because of the the idea that I had that that really wouldn't have I think worked as well. We got this great idea of the locket that, that's very visual and good for film. Um, and then well, also, oh, I, I was just going to say no, one more thing, Justin, which is that sure. also the end of the film is very different than the end of the story. So 
watch the film and then also read the story because they're both different endings yeah. and they're they're both really interesting in their way i think right i think i think that you know to to your credit you were very collaborative um um with uh with us on the other side but you kept a separation between us and sarah mm -hmm. um so the crew would come in and have suggestions and i would come in i certainly probably had more suggestions than you even wanted because i'm me and that's what i do um but one suggestion i had that you did take uh that was very different than the story is that mm -hmm. there was an element of the story that did not translate to film and mm -hmm. that is that in the story it's very hot yeah. It's super, super hot. There's this sweltering heat. Mm -hmm. And that was even in the first trailer that, that, mm -hmm. that we put together is sweltering heat. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of came in and was like, was like, it's in the, in the 15, 20 minutes we have to show this, how, how are we going to make it hot? Right. Especially since it's nighttime through so much of the movie, how are we going to make it hot? I will and, admit it took him a little while to convince me. <laughs> Um, but it's, but I think that, that to speak to a little bit of like Tara's genius, Tara was able to go like, like, okay, after fighting and she fought for, she fought for Sarah. She always fought for Sarah and wanted to make sure that, that whatever was taken or added, that the soul of Sarah's story was still in there. Um, right. and so to go from this thing that could not be done, um, in the time and money we had to make it seem hot. And to simplify a different um, visual icon in the locket down and go, mm -hmm. okay, we can't show this, but we can do this. Um, I think I think it shows uh, Tara's versatility and abil ability to pivot when she needs to, um, and that's something that I learned as as a director. I'm I'm mm -hmm. you know I I write and direct and cut and write the score for and half the time act in mm -hmm. everything that I do. And, and I have only in my last couple of movies been able to have people come in and go, no, with the exception of Daniel Ross, who was the only person I ever let tell me no. Um, uh, um, and watching Tara do that so easily and she, she just takes her own ego out of it. And she doesn't like, there are, there are only a couple of times where-, oh, where, where Justin, like, it's called insecurity. <laughs> let me help you. I didn't want to out you. <laughs> um, no, but I do. I do think. Um, I think one thing we kept though from the hot was the daylight aspect. Mm -hmm. um, that that a lot of the of the scary stuff does happen in the daytime. Like there, and that's there's really interesting. That, stuff, but there are things that happen in the day. So yeah, that's interesting because yeah. that is something that you know you that happens in horror film not enough of and it, it's if you do again we use this word a lot today it's a thing where that is a thing like to make horror in the day how can yeah. you do that that's not that's yeah. not easy and right? what's brilliant about the story what's brilliant about the story is that it's um it you movies make us scared at night because they're filled with all the things we can't see mm -hmm. That's right. And so that's why we're scared. We can't see it so we're scared of it and it's an easy and cheap way to go oh scared um but we're scared during the day all the time, not of things we can't see, but of things we don't know. Mm -hmm. Sure. And and um, it speaks to, to Sarah's story, which I love, um, but also, Tara, to your ability to go, okay, what, you know, if it's not boo scary, can it be tense scary? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or what the F scary, you know? In, well, and, yeah. And, and, that is, and, and that is something I think that you pulled off with the plot. 
thank you. And I know, Tara, for sure, for you, I, I know, you know, for me, I can watch a movie with a body count that never ends. That's fine by me. But I know that's not that, that, that's not your thing either. Your thing is this stuff. It is a psychological. It is a story. It has to have some substance to it. It can't just be yeah. Jason running around chopping people's yeah. heads off. Although, right. don't get so me that, wrong. I do not mind a good kill. Oh, no, for sure. But I know that yeah, that's, that's I have not no problem with a great right. kill. I just need it to have like a motivation. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. there to be like mm-hmm. character building yes. and, and arcs and relationships. And I need I think that's modern horror, though. Anyway, now I think that that's I think, I think it's we're... getting much more that way. Yeah. I mean, if you, you don't even, want. Yeah. If you watch Scream, for instance, now Big Body Counts, a slasher movie. Yeah. Every yeah. character has a motivation. Every character mm-hmm. has a dream and a plan and something they would do and their own little movie happening in their own lives. There you know, go. and and even, you know, for all the faults that the remakes of Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the thirteenth had, and they had yeah. many. What faults they, are we talking about? <laughs> one thing that they did have is every character had including Freddie and Jason had a, yeah. a reason for yeah. what they were doing. Now whether or not those reasons worked are yeah. not even up to debate because right. they did not. But I think modern horror audiences demand now to be able to go, okay, I need to, I need to go deeper and it's just yeah. not going to work to show us red corn syrup anymore. Well, look at something yeah, like yeah. Midsummer, right? By Ari Aster. Like it's yeah. so, um, one, it's so daylight much, horror. Yeah, the, so whole, the whole thing. It's, it's pretty much always, I think the whole yeah. time. And there's a little yes. bit that happens at night while they're sleeping, but almost yeah. everything is in the yes, broad as daylight. Yep. Um, so so they scare you with that but also it's the 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 emotions of the characters everything's so complex right like everything is so so real so lived um and the characters relate to each other in such interesting ways um, and I think that at least some kinds of horror are really, like you said, Justin, like sort of turning towards that. Um, and to me, I think a lot of people call it like elevated horror, but I kind of think that makes mm. it sound snootier than it is a lot of it. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just a more like thoughtful kind of horror than than um, like a boo scared you horror. Right. <laughs> Although I love boo scared you horror. We're scared yes. to be totally fun, but this and is like course, a whole different thing. Yeah. And of course, we we all love botanical horror. Obviously, we've already obviously. mentioned that. <laughs> so you said strawberry right, fields for never. Fields for never. <laughs> um, never. N e v a h. Um, yes. There's also you, you guys were talking about. You had you know back and forth with you know figuring out how to get rid of something, and that was something that was hard to do. So there you go. I mean, this is a blanket. This, you know, it's an easy thing to say. It's harder to answer, I guess. But what was, I guess, the hardest thing you had to do when you were shooting this thing? But at the same time, what was something that you did on the shoot and you were like, oh, my God, that's the best thing we've ever done? Like, can you even think of those two things? Is that I know that's hard to answer, right? Oh, man. Can we count editing and stuff, too? And pre-production? Yeah, yeah. Pre-production, posts, everything. You go first, Justin. You go. Um, so part of, of, we, we co-edited the, the, the movie, Mm -hmm. um, part of my job was, um, very much the kill your darlings job that became kill my babies. Yeah. Um, where, where we came to a realization after we had a pretty good 22 minute film that a lot of the festivals we'd want to enter had, um, had limits of 15 minutes to get in. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're talking about a 22 minute film to, you know, seven minutes is a third of it. 
Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a third of the movie that just has to go. Big deal. And there were days that we wanted to do stuff that we had to rush through because we had to get a shot in a bathroom. Yeah. And ultimately it's this wonderfully, beautifully shot in the bathroom, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. doesn't, the story doesn't change at all by removing that shot. Yeah. And so that, and that's a big story thing. Tara and I are both big, you know, students of story. We both mm-hmm. li- read story, you know, books on story. We both read, listen to podcasts mm-hmm. about story. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the big rules on story is if a scene, if you can tell the same story without a scene or without a line, cut that scene, oh, cut right. that line. Yeah. And okay. we're talking, you know, you you know what would have been 20 seconds in the movie. The only thing it really added was that our, our main character has a minute to look in the mirror and be like, Ugh. yeah, but she had done that sitting at a table and we just seen mm-hmm. her do that. Yeah. We're talking, you got to move the cameras up there. Got to move the mm-hmm. lights up there. Mm-hmm. Got to clear yeah. the area. We never shot we in that area of the house. <laughs> No. Yeah. So, so, and then so, we got that, it. yeah. And so we're, you're talking, you know, it's probably a, a fifth of a day yeah. of a shooting day. And we're just Gone. like, just for time it goes. And, yeah. and what I see when I'm doing that, I know Tara probably do this too. Tara sees probably more story and Sarah, because she, she's more connected on that end and she probably yeah. sees this thing I see as well, which is our incredible director of photography, Wes, came up with some yeah. amazing shots in yeah. that sequence. So and we had to be like sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he ended, I mean that's just the way it goes. So but it's, but it's not cool fun. shots though. <laughs> but one of Wes's cool shots was the hardest thing for me to lose. Which you're which you you know this Justin. The scene that ended up being a single shot scene because we thought it would work, but it just, mm-hmm. it was a little too long. It wasn't quickly paced enough, but there was this scene and Wes set up, um, set up this Diop- amazing diopter yeah. shot. Um, so, which a diopter, if you're not familiar, is something you can put on the camera lens that makes it so that two different focal planes are in focus. So we could have the mother sitting on the bed in the foreground on focus and the daughter in the background standing by the door in focus. And then there's like, everything else is sort of out of focus. Um, It looks really cool. And it was a moment where to me, it was emotionally important because the mother um, has like a a turning point in her, in her emotional, uh, in her emotional journey. uh, journey. Yes, she has has like a turning point there. but Justin finally managed to convince me that it wasn't necessary because we do see that sort of same turning point towards the end. For me, it was like uh, the midway point where she starts to change, but we didn't really need it. And the scene was a little bit too long. Which and so pacing. we ended up, pacing, yeah. yeah. So we ended up cutting it. Yeah. And, um, well, I, but the flip side to answer his other question, I'd like you to answer. Okay. There was a shot that I was like, Hey, we don't have time for this shot. And I, 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 I think it's the only time I raised my voice on set. I was like, mm. we can't do this. We don't. Cause okay. I was also line producer, which means yeah, that my job, that's right. my job is to be the best. Yeah. That's first right. So, so those two things together yeah. meant that my job was to cut, cut, cut where I could. And they, it was just one shot. It took like an hour and a half to set up a five second mm-hmm. shot. It's important. Wow. We have to have it. I wrote it into the script. I felt that it was very important. Um, every trailer, it's in every trailer. It's mm-hmm. in every everything we put out. It it's is in our in promo the, photos. Yeah. And what Matt, shot you, is it? you know this shot. You know this shot. 
Okay. It's the shot shortly after um, Samantha arrives when she raises the blinds in the window and the Ooh, pattern yeah. of the ivy leaves yes. falls on her face. And you can yes. see the blind rising, the shadow of the blind Slowly, rising in her yeah. face, yeah, which I good. put in in post. No, but that's, but that's, that's Tara right there going, okay. And when I say your ability to pivot, go, here's one thing that I want to be there, Yeah. but I'm being told it shouldn't be there and I can recognize it shouldn't. Here's one thing I want to be there. I'm told it shouldn't be there, but I'm recognizing it should. Yeah. And that's what makes Tara a good director is that she go. knows the difference between See? those two things. Good. Yeah. You Sometimes you have to, Not the only you have thing, to kill your babies, but yeah. sometimes you really have to protect your, your, your artistic vision. Um, and, and know that like, no, this, this is an important moment. This is, to me, that shot is like, it's so representative of Samantha's feelings in the moment. It's so representative of the Ivy sort of literally overshadowing everything mm -hmm. yeah. like in the house and in their relationship. Um, and it's just very, it's it's kind of for the within the world of the film, it's iconic. I don't want to say like it's iconic, like in culture, but like within the world right. of the film, it, it is it sort might of, be. It's it the iconography the, of the film. Yeah, yes, it could be there one day. Yes, there it's you the go. Iconography of the film. It's, it's so Good. I felt that that one shot was extremely important. Um, but I also and you were right. But I also fought for the diopter <laughs> yes, shot. Yes, it is. It's very nice. And then we cut that. So you know, you win some, you uh, lose some. That's the game. <laughs> That's it. And that's, you know what you shot, you did it. Um, you learn from it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but yeah. Yeah. That, that's hard to get that. Let, let that go. But, yeah. um, so I was working, talked I, about, I, I was going to say, I was working on a, on a movie in the last couple of years where this, the studio involved, um, wanted the movie to end up being like 75 minutes long. They say you can just get in for a feature at 75 minutes long and the script they wanted was 75 minutes long. They said, give us a 75 page script because a 75 page script is a 75 minute movie. And my filmmaker hat was like, what the, can I curse on this show? Um, I never do, but Tara does all the time. So I, so I, was, like, what, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Wait a minute. You should be an 85, 90 minute script that you shoot and then just be prepared, cut 15, 20% of it. Mm -hmm. Cause you don't you know what works until you see it. Cut it together. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that, that Tara was very judicious um, in her, in her choices uh, as far as that's All concerned. Right. And I, I, I was just really impressed by that. Um, how she could both be seen as, as the mama bear fighting tooth and nail. Um, <laughs> and she, boy, did she. Um, and, and yet at the same time, be willing to when it was time she confidently let it go and it was never an issue again after that like it was never like like i couldn't even say she would lose a battle she'd go okay we don't need to fight this battle and it would be over and there would never be a like yeah but i gave you the last one like which right, for right. me i'd be the whole time you know <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna be bitter the whole time um well, and she like just did that you, so well if you if you're doing the trade-off game right then and you're keeping track of which ones you won and which ones you lost. I don't think that's doing a full service to the film because every decision then is tainted by 
the last decision mm. that was made. You can't get hung up really on what I don't have all or something, be right? Made for and about themselves. Okay. There's, yes. There's a certain sociopathy yeah, that I, has I get to that. go go with being a filmmaker. I, I think you have to be a little bit of a sociopath. You know, and I, I yeah, I, re I remember back in the days hearing do. about hearing about like the making of Titanic mm -hmm. and hearing about how James Cameron was so crazy on that set and certainly there's no i reason don't to... think he's i don't never hear yeah i hear he can well, certainly be not the nicest person on set and there's never and there's never reason to treat someone unprofessionally or or no. in a cruel or inappropriate way no. No. but i now i get it now that i've made movies there's a certain idea that you have to go like you know what if you have to cut an entire character out of a film even though it's going to hurt someone you do it if you have to mm -hmm. cut a beautiful thing yeah. if you have to cut a a million dollar sequence, whatever it is you need yeah. to cut, it is right. in this this slavish, uh, this this slavish desire to just serve the film as yeah. your single and only master. People yeah. don't single matter. Yes. Feelings Singular don't matter. Focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nothing matters except for can I make the film one yeah. percent better and one percent better and one percent better? And, and eventually, good... it's got to be feelings be damned because at the end of the day, feelings will feel better, but the finished film will not change in the future because you're and and the other thing that I've encountered that I said that, that I said more than once I said, believe me, if I'm not mean to you now, people online will be later. <laughs> um, okay, good. How about um, that? Yeah. My favorite quote of all time is. Justin Timpain is a terrible filmmaker and should never make a movie again for the rest of his life. Somebody nice. wrote those words in a review nice. of a movie that I made. They will oh, not God. hold. And you love it. And, well, and, and, and it motivates no, you every single no, day. No, I don't. No. <laughs> but, but it'll motivate you every single day to do it's your It's like my mother always said, cut lengthwise. <laughs> Ouch. But so you're wow. saying I, I... It's a motivator. So I agree with you about your point about that, like, in the end, feelings kind of don't matter. You have to like, you have to do what's best for the film, period. However, I do think that you can manage feelings um, with, with, your, with your presentation, with your interactions, with the way you deal with people. So if you have to cut your actor's favorite monologue, you know, there, there are different ways you can deliver that news, right? There's there's the brusque, like, well, it didn't work for the film. It's out. But there's also the, I recognize that you did a really great job on this. Like, it it was it was so great to see. It's just not serving its purpose within the continuity of the film. So we're going to need to let it go. You know, there there are ways that you can, I think, soften the blow a bit with people. Um, and you are better at that than I am. I, I am... <laughs> I, I want everyone to like me, so I'm like I'm like I feel so bad. Like, it's taking it's, like, and you you you'd handle the balance far better than I do for it's sure. It's taking the part for them out of it. It's got it, this isn't not because of you. This is for the story. Like you're you're yeah, right. your, your part was you right. killed it. You were great. However, it turns out we just we don't need to do that. Yeah, but, I think uh, sometimes you just need to give people a little like like they talk about the like. Um, it's a similar to the, the love sandwich. Yeah. With critiques, right? Like, it's like, yes, I'm going to cut this. It is, but I, you need to know it is not because you did something wrong. That's right. It is not That's because right. your monologue wasn't amazing. It's not because the shot wasn't awesome. It's yep. simply because yep. it's not working in the context of the film right now. There you and go. That's it. And, and hey, maybe it'll be in deleted basic. scenes later. There yeah. you go. How about that? And, and 90, so I, I wish somebody had told us, Tara, when we were, you know, when, when, when we were both 
uh, gosh, we must have been like 22 years old. You and I both went and did like the local auditions at the uh, mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. arena stage. Remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. And we went to Ben's Chili Bowl afterward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, and I wish somebody had told me at the time that it's not a talent show. That you're yeah. not. It's not a contest about how good or talented you are. That that now that I've cast you know six of my own films and and a half dozen other people's films, and now that I've seen what gets cut and what doesn't it's really come sometimes as simple as it was just the pacing. Yeah. It was just the scene did, or, or you did so well that the person next to you didn't look as good. Right. And it needs to seem even or, mm-hmm. or like any number of, of, of things you were the, the person that we really like for the other person is way taller than you. Right. And we don't want that to be different. And, and it was their, their role is more crucial to the story than right. the role we were looking at you for. Oh, we already so we have the lead is a redhead. We can't have another redhead in the, in the main cast. Like there's always things like that. And one thing that I thought was that I really took to heart that an old um, acting coach of mine taught me when I was acting a lot more and not before I ever got behind the camera. Um, uh, Michael Garcia Mack, he taught me, that you go in there in film, particularly in in theater, they want to see you act. They want to see you play the role in film. They want to see you walk in the door and be right for the part. Mm -hmm. And, and you could walk in there and blow them away with your performance. Not be the right thing for the part, but they will remember you in the future, if you really knocked it out of the park, they will remember you for when it is the right part for you. Exactly. So you you just need to go in and do what you do. You're not competing with anyone else. You're just competing to do the best you. I will give a great example when it comes to the casting thing. Um, Have we all seen Mission Impossible 6? Not the most recent one, but the last one, Fallout. No. I, 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 I stopped so. watching this after the first one. Okay, so, <laughs> so here, it, it, so, uh, so to the rest yeah, of the world that's seen it, first of all, see it because it's the most consistently good action movie from three, like franchise from three forward. There is no franchise that is more consistently good. I've heard the, the one forward. that just came out. Uh, is it McQuarrie? Dead Reckoning 1. McQuarrie who writes Dead it? Reckon- yeah, I've heard yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. So there is, um, in Mission Impossible 3, Tom Cruise's wife, uh, Ethan Hunt's wife, is played by Michelle Monaghan. Mm-hmm. And then she leaves the series. Okay. You know, they she can't be his wife anymore because they're spoiler alert for a fifteen year old movie because she can't deal with the fact that he's a spy. Um, then they cast Rebecca Ferguson from um, The Greatest Showman. Uh, they cast her as the new like love interest in the movie. She's also yeah. a spy. So in Mission Impossible Six, the bad guy wants to hurt Ethan, and he goes he goes Michelle Monaghan or uh, Rebecca Ferguson is already on Ethan's team. But then he goes after Ethan's wife that we haven't seen. So Michelle Monaghan's in the movie as well. Problem is they both look very similar. Yep. And it is a piece of casting that's a problem because Rebecca Ferguson was cast in the fifth film, not the sixth. Then they want to bring Michelle Monaghan back and you go, oh, it was a mistake to put these two women mm-hmm. in this film together because when I tried to show the film to my mom who had not watched any of the other films, she was like, oh, what's this fallout thing? I was like, oh, it's awesome. One of the best movies ever made. Let's watch it. She couldn't keep track. Which of these two, mm. you know, five foot four, petite, you know, angular jawed mm-hmm. brunettes was which in the movie? Yeah. And, I, um... and it, 
And it's it's it it is it is the reason why if you look like if you look at the Avengers, you couldn't get six more different looking mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. than Mark Ruffalo and Robert Downey Jr. and right. Jeremy Renner and Chris Evans and Samuel mm-hmm. L. Jackson and Scarlett Johansson. And like you, these people look very different yep, very from one distinct. another. So that you can immediately just go boom, 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 because there's the you have to have this economy when you're like you you got four minutes to tell your audience everything they need to know about this character so the story can move forward. And so there's there's this economy of familiarity that has to happen in casting. And that that's not a talent show. They're all there's no reason to think that that someone who looks just like Robert Downey Jr. couldn't all that Hugh Grant right. doing an American accent. Next to Robert Downey Jr., they looked very much alike. I would never cast them in the same yeah. movie at the same time and because of that exact reason. So I am like your mom. I am like half face blind. <laughs> um, seriously, my husband makes fun of me for it all the time. I will be like, wait, is that guy her husband or is that the guy she's cheating on him with? Because they're both like kind of like chinning and have brown hair. And I can't tell which is which. Like, can you tell which one of us is Matt and which is Justin? That I can tell because you guys look pretty, pretty distinct. Um, but I except do... we both we don't look dissimilar from each other, which is no, you, you you've got a podcast, distinct. you've got a podcast type. See, we are, we're um, casting but, here, but I I definitely do have that struggle, and so it's I feel like I get it more in dramas, um, because I think they're mm. more likely like. Obviously, in superhero movies, they're all in different costumes, so I can tell who's who because they're sure. different right. costumes. Like they're they're in different costumes. Um, yeah. Comedies, horror films, a lot of times they're dealing with very specific types, mm. and so they're all going to be distinct because they're a different type. But in dramas, you're dealing with these very real people, and so sometimes they are similar, and then they cast people who look similar, and then I'm like, I'm confused. I don't know what the hell's going on here. Like, who is who? What's happening? Mm. Which one just slept with which other one? Right. Like, yeah. wait, and wasn't he her boyfriend? No, oh, he is her boy. Wait, no, that's a different guy? I have no idea. Like, I get so confused. And, and there's a short list of, of you know, you know, Rebel Rebel Wilson slash Melissa McCarthy slash Amy Schumer mm-hmm. or or Zach Galifianakis slash Jonah Hill mm-hmm. or Michael Sarah slash Je- Jesse Eisenberg, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, there's if you can't get one, can we get the other one that is almost the same thing? But not put um, them that, together. You would never right. do them together, together unless they were brothers, which would be really funny. Yeah. Although um, I could see a kick-ass <laughs> Melissa McCarthy, Rebel Wilson film happening. Hell, should throw Amy Schumer in too. I love it. Yeah. Love so it. that that being said, I, I would like to watch that too. But what I'm gonna do, I, I I'm gonna pull a, a a line that you said earlier, Justin, that Tara was able to pivot because I want to ask this question, and I'm gonna pivot to this. Because there is a scene in your film that I love. Well, it opened with the, um, I, I guess, this is what I thought. Uh, and I think you told me you refer to it as the shining shot with the car at the mm-hmm, beginning mm-hmm. And, the, and the drone. That's what we refer to it when we shot it. Yep. There, exactly. Which I love. It's fabulous. Um, because the one thing is, you know, we all know this is put very simply. Film a, a video is half video mm-hmm. and it's half audio. And if your mm-hmm. audio stinks, no one's going to watch it. Right. Like Halloween, they thought was, eh, it's okay. Then John Carpenter put the score in and they were like, holy crap, this is terrifying. So, Justin, you did this score. Congratulations. It's very good. Beautiful. I want to know, because um, it, it opens with that piano and everything in there. Tell me, 
inspirations, thoughts? Did you already know what you were going to do? Did you use previous stuff? Like, I, I don't know much about music. I know what I like to listen to, but I don't know how to compose any of it. So. Well, let me give credit where it's due to our amazing aerial photographer. Yeah. Um, who got yes. all of those photos. Who was? My my 16-year-old son. There you go. <laughs> Liam Lintonpain. I'll also job. plug... I will plug his device. He used the DJI Mini 2, which I also use, and I love that thing. So, yes. It's gorgeous, fabulous. gorgeous pictures. Yeah. Um, yep. yes, uh, and and awesome. there's a shot. My, the shot he's most proud of is, is we, we had to move really quickly, but we wanted a crane shot. And we used the dolly just to, or we used the, 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 the drone just to go from yes. like four feet in the air to 10 feet in the mm -hmm. air. Just to that, do a that's straight a, Yes, they will serve as a crane shot. Mm -hmm. It's perfect yeah. for that, actually. People yeah, don't even really think about really that. Great. Yes. Yeah. It's, oh, great. it's funny you should ask about was the. Was the drone? I can yeah. honestly say, and there's proof of this. I had the music from the day after Tara asked me to do to 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 be on the Is film. Right? I sent her a series of of yep. I was not sober um, uh, messages of <laughs> me sitting at the piano that I sent her on Facebook, and yep. you, she can find them. Um, that at like uh, two in the morning, Tara, Tara, listen, I have an idea <laughs> for the score. Yeah. She hadn't even asked me to do the score. She hadn't asked me. I was like, I you think like, I can score I'm this. Not doing this. Listen, uh, it would be this, and it's the same themes. Yeah, it's, it's the same. The first two or three themes, and then it grew out of there. So that's so that. So okay. I I downloaded and I sent it to Sarah, and I was like, Oh my God, listen to this. Listen yeah. to what Justin came up with. This this is the music. Like this is it. And so yeah, then I awesome. then we made it official. <laughs> From a from a musical point of view, um, uh, the the big thing I wanted to do was give a sense of things being um, like not quite right. Mm -hmm. So there's this; um, it's all in this minor key, and you know, very kind of pretty piano music. Mm -hmm. And then there's like every two bars, there's this note that doesn't belong there. Like da da da, right, and just right. this is like this note that just keeps coming back that 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 doesn't fit anywhere in the key that the whole thing's written in so that you as a listener are like going, ah, every time that it happens, you're never, uh, you're never settled. You can never, right. But, yeah. Yeah, you don't know it... but as you're unsettled and like cringing a little from it, it's also like hauntingly beautiful. Like mm, you are, you, you are still drawn into it, even though it makes you a little, like a little uncomfortable. Um, and I think that's the brilliance of what Justin did is that it, it, it makes you unsettled, but it also grabs you and like takes you on this journey of the film. And it, and it really supports the emotions and the relationships in the film and the, and the themes and, and the action and everything so beautifully. Um, and it I, stands I, well it, on it its own too. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I, I got into filmmaking writing scores. Uh, the, I, well, I got an acting, but then like the third film I ever did, I was like, I think I could write a score for you for this. And they were like, well, we don't have any money. So sure. Go for it. Um, and that was um, the, uh, that was the uh, second to last Don Dollar film, um, which was uh, dead hunt or it was crawler. Um, and then dead hunt, which was his final film, the late great Don Dollar. Um, they let me, they let me do that too. And that film was the subject of a wonderful little documentary called blood boobs and beast. If you've ever seen it. Yeah, right. um, it's, it's pretty great. Um, all about like sort of B horror out of Baltimore. Um, so, so I had such a great time doing those very proud of those scores, but I learned to do so much in music in the years, you know, 
after that because the technology evolved and you know when i first yeah. wrote it you know there were like very limited tools and now you go so my my uncle who's a who's a musician goes goes oh the piano in your score was really haunting what piano was it and i was like oh it's the piano that paul mccartney played in abbey road studios because that's the piano that i'm playing I'm playing on my on my keyboard yeah. and it's going through a pristine recording of that piano. The, there's there's a beautiful violin solo in the middle mm -hmm. um, when she's sitting down at the table. Mm -hmm. no. That is a virtuoso. That's a virtuoso playing a Stradivarius. Mm -hmm. And I'm just telling him what wow. notes to play. Um, these are things that didn't exist when yeah. I did those scores before. Mm -hmm. So yeah. so the fact that the fact that that it's available and you know for for just a you know, for just a couple of thousand dollars to put together everything that you need it's amazing. to be able to do. And we're talking by a couple, I'm talking less than two to including wow. all the studio equipment, the upgrades to the computer and the software. And you're able to do that. Um, I was so eager to get back to writing music using, you know, the, the classical format because I had just done a, a rock album. Um, and so I was eager to get back into it because all these beautiful, amazing new tools. It's how I feel right now about Unreal for filmmakers. I'm like, when I see what people are doing with that, I'm like, I want to play because that wasn't there last time I tried. So, right. so um, I will always be grateful, especially since it won awards. The first time I ever won any awards for writing mm -hmm. music, like ever. And I won like three of them. And it's, it would never have happened if Tara had not taken a chance on it. And just, to, just oh, to give you an idea of how brilliant a musician he is, think in that whole process of Justin scoring the film, I think I gave him one note, one. Really? And I think it was one moment where he had a little like drum, like, and I was like, eh, I don't think that's like the right, like orchestration, like the right sound for that. And he changed mm -hmm. it and it was perfect. And like, that was the one note I had on any of the music. Okay. Thank you. I, you I was, did, I, yeah. it was important to me to impress Tara. And I work probably harder than I would for we all do, right? anybody. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, she would hear me banging on a piano in practice rooms when I was in ninth grade. She, she saw where I started. That's amazing. Um, that's not true. So, if you hire him, he would work just as hard for you. I would work 99% <laughs> as hard just for you. Just send me, yeah, videos at 2 a.m. And that's, yeah, that's what we need, right? Uh. So, so drunk, drunk, I don't drunk dial people. I, I drunk play piano. Yes. Um, so let me ask you, this is the last thing that I have to ask you. And, and this is, this is important. I think, um, I, I, I think it's important Tara. It's one of the most important things to you okay. is you are, you are a woman filmmaker yes. and I look at your, Oh my gosh. Right. right this, this just in, uh, she, she just, she just looked down her own shirt. People who watch the YouTube I, video. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, could, could I, could I have stated it any more obviously, but, um, I think about horror and, the list is not that big and mm -hmm. it's unfortunate, but for me, it's Mary Lambert who did both pet cemeteries. Yes, Mary Lambert. It's Mary Heron. Mary Heron, did American Psycho. American Psycho. And Catherine Bigelow, who is a huge director now, 100%. but she did a film called the other day near Terra called Near Dark. Yes. Which you have if you haven't seen Near Dark, please watch it. The list is more, obviously, but um get us out of here by saying base. I mean, how can, can how important how do you keep this going? How do you make this better? Okay, first, right? can I give you three more female filmmakers to watch? A plea, I guess, um, yes. Kimberly Pierce, who did okay. the Carrie remake um, in 2013. Oh, right. yep. 
which right. um right. which was a pretty good remake but honestly um oh god it's what's her name in it um chloe moritz chloe moritz chloe moritz grace is yeah. um chloe grace moritz chloe grace moritz her name i don't know how you pronounce is, her name right yeah is really quite fascinating in it and they take it uh, they she's a great it a actor little I like for a her. more modern day audience it's really good it's really interesting but she also made stop loss and boys don't cry um okay, so she's like wow chef's kiss um jennifer kent who wrote and directed the babadook uh yes of course i'm sorry i um, meant to mention she had that. written and directed a short God, film sorry. first i think just called the monster and then yes. became the babadook or, yes she's australian right yeah yeah yeah, yeah she's okay. australian and i have to give a shout out to nia DaCosta, um who directed oh, yeah. um um the candy man um which Re- remake yeah the remake, remake yeah. well it's not a remake it's a sequel um, okay, and it's so a really Good nice word, sort yeah. of twist on the original story and themes because, you know, the original is very much uh, a white woman sort of interloping into these worlds. The, the um, sequel is from the point of view of a young black man who is an artist. And I have not seen um, it yet. It's, and I'm upset it's, about that. I think it's a very interesting <laughs> uh, um, sequel for the first one because it really plays you and i love the first I, our episode was a lot of fun to do I, it's, it's, a, it's a fabulous yeah. movie yeah yeah i would definitely recommend can I throw, watching the first and then the second can mm-hmm. i throw out there um elizabeth banks um who who has had an interesting non-horror career but who just rocked it with cocaine bear yeah um, oh okay and if we're talking non-horror uh, greta gerwig is like Sure, sure. Well, I love her. Of course, we 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 love her, and um, she's the her friend in uh the house of the house of the devil, right? Yes, yeah, as an actress, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. right. But anyway, but yeah. So how 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 do we keep that going? How do you help make that more? And how do we get more people doing? How to get more women doing that stuff? Right? Hire me. Um, no. (laughs) Okay, easy. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us tonight. (laughs) Thanks, that's all. No, I think um. I just think that and this isn't just for women, right? This is for all marginalized communities, for all for mm-hmm. all different um viewpoints than mm-hmm. sorry for you two, the the standard okay. hetero white cis male. Um yeah, that's right. We need to lift these voices up. We know this. I mean it's not it's not anything anybody doesn't know, right? You have to give these people chances. You have to give them training. You have to start from where they're lower. You can't wait until a woman or a black person or or um or an LGBTQ plus person is is mm-hmm. already like on the cusp. That's right. Right? And That's then right. find them. Sure, you can do that. Great. But you need to also go to the those lower levels of indie film and find people who are really we're really busting their humps out there, just trying to make mm-hmm. something a little different, um, uh, you know, from a different point of view about different people than we normally see and, and lift that up. Um, I think just sometimes Hollywood doesn't look down on the ground at us mm-hmm. doing indie films and they only really look in LA at people who are already like up and coming and great, give them chances. But like, broaden your horizons a bit right reach out and and i'm almost wondering if as we're as we're recording this and god hopefully this will be over by the time 
you guys hear this episode, but as we're recording oh, this, yeah. the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, and SAG-AFTRA, right. the Screen Actors Guild, right. and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists are on strike. Um, yeah. Right. Versus um, the AMPTP, which is the producer's um, like umbrella group, um, the Hollywood producer's umbrella group. Well, just, I want to say yesterday, um, A24 and some other independent production companies who are not signed on to the AMPTP made interim agreements with SAG so they can continue shooting. Um, And I truly believe that if these smaller independent um, production companies continue oh, a24 makes a24 makes outstanding they're like my uh, favorite production company but yes, if they right now continue they are uplifting great. marginalized voices like they are and they continue treating the little guys who make the film industry run with respect i think eventually they're going to force the hands of these big hollywood companies who are right now honestly truly disrespecting the creatives who are the reason they have these companies, right? You cannot make a good film without a writer. You can't make an okay film without a writer, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. You can't make That's a right. film without an actor. Sure, AI, shmei, but it's not the same. No, you're right. It doesn't have the heart. It doesn't have the, the uh, what, were we, what were we calling it before? The, uh, the psyche, right? It doesn't have the, frankly, the fucked upness that comes out of living life as a human, you need that to make yeah. true art. Um, Oof, look at that. And it just turns and, into a and, totally other rant, but I feel no, very passionate I, I, about that. Um, well, and let me, that's why I yeah. wanted to ask. That's why I wanted to ask you that. Let me let me piggyback on that mm-hmm. um, with two with with two things. Um, one to support what you were saying. Uh, I heard a a very fair podcast that was not as slanted toward the writers and mm-hmm. the actors as you would think it would be, but was actually kind of right in the middle mm-hmm. and said, and said, you know what? The studios are having problems because they, they're running out of money mm-hmm. because they're doing, they're making all the wrong stuff for all the wrong people mm-hmm. and distributing it all the wrong ways. And all you mm-hmm. have to do is look at flash and Indiana Jones and, and movie after movie, after movie, after movie that is quote opening soft. And Mary interject go, yet, they are paying in the tens of millions of dollars and not the the CEOs, yeah. to their CEOs. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah, but yeah. but in terms of in terms of the, the the system as it is, it is a it is an untenable system. It is a system yes. that that cannot continue to work as it is. And that's where you have the A twenty fours, right? People look at the failure of Indiana Jones and go, "Well, that's because it costs three hundred million dollars to make." A twenty four made everything everywhere all at once for seven million dollars mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that right yeah exactly. you know, if I you look at if you look that, at the right. movie that unseated indiana jones um that is doing just as well as indiana jones insidious the red door mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. was made was made mm-hmm. for 20 million dollars yeah. as opposed to 300 million dollars yeah there is um the the the, the the mini majors Right. Like, like those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are that are lifting up independent filmmakers, independent voices and having independent points, points of view. Mm-hmm. Same podcast, uh, different host once said that and I'm, I'm misquoting, said that Hollywood right now is a zombie feeding on its own necro- necrotic corpse. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, and they, they, they're it. counting on they're counting on 30 year old IP to hold up 
yep. the financial system in Hollywood. And people are just, it's, you know, not for nothing, but like, I've seen a lot of Ethan Hunt and I like seeing him, but I've seen a lot of him. Yeah. And once you get to part sevens, people are going to stop being quite yeah. as interested. Yeah. Um, and, and so to your point about independent film, Mark Ruffalo came out and made a really good point. Yes. which is like, dude, oh, I loved it. Go like that. Here's, there's, there's a world out there and, and, and like maybe the studios have a point when they go, we can't afford it. Maybe you can't, maybe you can't, maybe your entire model is wrong. And we got to look to the A24s yeah. and we got to look to what used to be Fox Sh yeah. Searchlight. And we got to look mm -hmm. to those, mm -hmm. those companies and go like, Oh, what, what can you bring up? Including action movies, including the terrible Gerard Butler action films, but they're just still sort of fun to watch. The Wes Anderson movies yep. that are coming out. Yep. The, the Paul Thomas Anderson movies that are coming out. Um, yeah. I'll go you to know. horror, Ari Aster and Robert Eggers. Sure. We like him. Sure. We like them. We like them. You know, so, so, so that, that is what's being looked at. The other, the second point that I want to make to your point, um, and this is me, I'm going to speak, I'm going to mansplain. Okay. I'm mansplain. Hey, listen, people of color and women, I know what you should do, but it's, it's really true. I have a lot of people who look like me who are bemoaning the fact that Hollywood is just not as interested in them as they used to be. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. It's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. And now for people like me who might feel like, oh no, this is your shot, guys. This is your shot. There is a hunger for women's points of view. There's a hunger for people of color's point of view. Go out there and make your and movie. Do Go it. out there yeah. and get your financing. You'll have an easier time of it than I will. This is a chance. Like like That's you were right. in this this unprecedented thing in the last like two yeah. let's say two to five years where where these voices people are ready to listen. So you go out there and and be heard because you're going to ha have a chance. And some some people will, and you guys listening, you horror movie lovers listening to the Scary Movie Podcast, you have a chance to go out there right now. And if you always dreamed of doing it and, and you're like, Hollywood's Do not it. ready for people like me, yeah. they are now. They are. And it's across yeah. the board. They're ready for LGBTQ stories. Mm -hmm. They're ready for Asian stories in ways that they've never been ready mm -hmm. before. They're ready yeah. for, mm -hmm. for black stories. They're ready for women's stories. They're ready for across the board. They're ready for stories about abuse. They're ready for, you know, different points of view that they haven't had because those are what's are, what are making money right now. Yeah. So go make your movie guys. Yeah. Go, like, oh, this can is, I, one, I more, this. one more female. This so like, inspiration. I have not seen her most recent movie yet, but I'm hearing it's amazing. Because right. you mentioned abuse and it made me think of this. Sarah Polly, who wrote, co-wrote, oh. and directed Women Talking, which she, is... She's yeah. a promising young woman as well? No. I don't think so, but she was out. She was an actor first. She was actually in um, Go She's in the Dawn of the Dead remake. I love Go, and she's in Dawn of the Dead remake. So she was out of for a while because she had, um, she had a, a brain injury. Um, but yeah. she came back with with um, women talking and I'm like literally going to watch it while I'm recovering from surgery this next month. <laughs> I'm going to be there watching. That is one of the things that's on my list to absolutely watch. I hear it's amazing. Um, and I heard an interview with her on my favorite podcast, uh, script notes, um, which is, which, by, you, which you turned me on to, yeah, which is, which is, uh, which is the right. co-hosts are John August who wrote things like big fish and um mm. and uh craig mazin who wrote the last of us um like mm. they are okay 
the top of their game. They are at the top of the writing world in Hollywood. And um, they have years. They have over 600 episodes um, available. My goodness. To teach you. It is almost like having a mentorship. I'm sorry. I have to like do a plug for them now because I mentioned them. That's okay. Um, They are there to teach you like about, about, writing the craft of writing screenwriting about the business of screenwriting right now they're doing little series of shorts where they give you updates on the wga strike um they've even talked Mm -hmm. a little bit about the sag after strike um if you are looking to be a screenwriter i mean 100 if you already are a screenwriter hell 100 percent. listen to this podcast it's amazing um, it's brilliant. I'd say I'd say I'd say fifty percent because I got to throw writers blockbusters in there as well. Writers blockbusters is great screenwriters. too. Yes, Jamie yeah, Nash but, and who are the other two? But um, only you've listened to every single episode of the Scary Movie Project. Yes. But you know what? And that's 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 the obviously the most important podcast because that's the one we're on mm-hmm. right now. Um, and this is so we're gonna wrap this episode. So Justin Tim Payne. Tara Garwood, you know her, of course. Uh, thank you guys um, for doing this because I, I have seen the movie four times now and I was there for it. I know how much it means to you guys. We can go on forever, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, so you, you guys know, obviously, where to find us. Um, ScaryMovieProject.com, Instagram, Facebook. Please email us. Tell us your thoughts. Um, what movies do you want us to watch again? What movies should um, Tara make next? How about that? That's a good one, too. Oh, I got an she idea. She wants to make I'm more children, children of the Corn movies. Um, good. So but what I will say was, though, again, yeah, thanks for being on. Um, you guys, um, Terracotta Films, right, Tara, is where we find you. Yep. Justin, you're on Enlight Films. Is that right? Yeah, Enlight Entertainment. You can find me or just at, at Ninja Director on mm-hmm. Twitter. It's a great way okay. to reach out. Um, just did a, a, a kid song. You know, I just do stuff. I sometimes he just he just does stuff, man. Do I look like a guy with a plan? And um and Sarah Sarah, if you're interested in in Sarah's writing, (laughs) yes, Sarah Crokel Smith. Crokel is is, Sarah is no H S A R A. Crokel C R O C O L L Smith S M I T H dot com. And then I am on terracottafilms dot com. And I'm not really on Twitter anymore. I like still have a handle there, but I don't really go there. Um, so I am on on sure. Facebook, Instagram, and um, now Threads, um, the new Instagram ah, yeah, sort of threads. Twitter <laughs> Twitter competitor. Um, I am on all those okay. as at Terracotta Films. Right on. So the last thing I'll say quickly before we wrap it is um, when and how will people be able to watch The Strangle of Ivy? Well, it is on the um, – <laughs> Justin's like, oh, I want to hear this. <laughs> So it is on the <laughs> festival circuit now. Um, so actually, if you sign up for my newsletter, I will let you know when it screens at festivals. There you, go. Um, you can find that on my website, like on every page. <laughs> um, yes. And then um, it will be done with the festival rounds probably around spring next year. And then we're actually debating Good. how to um, how to release it. Um, if we want to, you know, seek a distributor who may, you know, some distributors package short films for, uh, for different like streaming channels that specialize in short films or include short films in their programming. So we may do that. We may go through an automated, um, system where you can put it on places for purchase or rental. Um, I don't know. We may just decide to say, put it out there as a calling card for everyone. Um, We're still sort of working those details out and how we want to, how we want to make the most of this film. 
And awesome. I would be sure to follow Terracotta um, uh, wherever you do your socials as well, uh, because oh, yeah. uh, while, while you were talking, I jumped over to uh, our film freeway site. Um, we've got a pretty damn good track record uh, so far. We, we're getting into we're, we're getting to like a third, a, 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 like a third at least of the festivals that we have uh, been that we submitted to and there's a lot more coming um so that's good that's, that's good just so you know but even though that's yeah, yeah. that's actually good oh yeah most 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 films it's it's much lower yeah. than that and so we've, that's, that's and we've won some awards been... already we actually i'll call out origins film festival named us best short um so that was amazing um nice yeah, so Wonderful. so there are i i'm just looking i'm just looking down down the list but there are um between now and the middle of next year, um, we're we're looking at quite a few opportunities, probably mm -hmm. somewhere in your town. Yeah. Um, so follow Terracotta there Films, you go. and and you'll you'll see us because we're we're coming for you. Yeah. And we're gonna kill you with plants. <laughs> we come into your town. <laughs> so and then so next time we'll have to discuss botanical horror, but for now yes. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So guys, thank you very much. Keep up to date. Follow everybody. And um, we will see you guys next time. Um, until then. Peace out. Good night, Canada. <laughs> the Scary Movie Project Podcast. Learn more at thescarymovieproject.com.